Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good morning to you. I am Jason Kong. Bill, good morning to you. Happy Christmas Eve Eve. As, uh, we'll, we'll, call <laughs> well Merry Christmas. What do you say? That's right. Merry Christmas. Uh, now, have you got everything done? You, oh, you look oh, very oh. festive today. I'm liking the Christmas tie that you're wearing. Well, thank uh, you. you're, you're looking good. good now, uh, are, are you all set? You got everything checked off the list? Uh, I have done everything that I have to do. In other words, I've gotten my wife's Christmas present, so we're good. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's really all that matters at this point. Everything Anything else is, else kind of is a bonus. just incidental. That's right. Yeah, you know, I'm, when you do the, the, you know, one of the um, important things about um, uh, organizational strategies um, and planning, and this is true whether you're a student or you're a businessman, whether you own your own business, uh, one of the key things is do the big things first. In other words, most of us get tied up doing lots of little things that are easy to do, but it allows us to avoid the big things. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, uh, the people who are the best organized, the best business people, the folks who make the most money, what do they do? They they tackle the hard big things first. That's their priority. So, I mean, you know, not that I fall into that category, but the but the truth is, is that if I buy my wife's Christmas present, then I've tackled the big thing first. <laughs> You're a very smart man, Bill. I'm, I'm learning a lot from you here. This is good. Well, you know, like I said, everything else is incidental. But, it, it you know, that philosophy certainly uh, goes across the board for everything, uh, not just Christmas. <laughs> I, I like that plan. That's that's a very you know it, it certainly as you said it applies to Christmas, but it can go lots of different well, ways. Well, this is a happy time of year, and it's also a busy time of year. Uh, uh, clearly, there are a lot of the ladies out there who, at this point, are exhausted. Uh, from everything that they have to do um, or do, uh, and, and things, uh, I guess one of the nicest presents that we can give our families is to, uh, at least on the, the uh, male side, is to do more to take the pressure off uh, of the female side uh, so that they can enjoy the holidays a little more than than uh, sometimes they they do because this is in some ways this is a stressful time certainly is and actually what I wanted to uh, talk about um, is is something that you know people don't necessarily like to talk about but the bottom line is we've got one more business week in the year and so it is our last opportunity to cram in any tax planning mm-hmm. uh, for the year that we might want to do or uh, the like. And so that uh, on the business, I mean, for some folks, uh, they're going to, it's going to be whatever it's going to be. There's, uh, but it, it could mean do you go ahead and make an additional charitable uh, donation this year? You know, truthfully, anybody who's worked in a church budget knows that the majority of money comes in in December for every church in the United <laughs> States. I mean, it's. I mean, maybe it's because we're uh, 
we're blessed. Maybe it's because we're big-hearted. Maybe it's because we're thinking of others this time of year. But the bottom line is, is that this is when the money comes in. And so, but from a tax perspective, it's like, um, will it help us? Can we afford, uh, are we blessed enough to give uh, some more money to Mm -hmm. our favorite charities or to the church? Uh, You know, that's uh, one part of planning. It could be for the businesses, can we push some income into next year or do we want to take our income this year? And that is based upon what kind of year have we had? You know, do we have losses uh, that so we can take a little bit more money as it relates to that? Um, Should we go out and purchase a car this week, you know, <laughs> or a vehicle, you know, right. because we can get a fairly large deduction uh, on a business vehicle. Now, I'm not talking about non-business, but I'm talking about can we use that as a deduction. Oh, you know, man. That well, that's, that's not that as fun. That doesn't apply to you. No. Because uh, employees don't get that same um, benefit. But for business owners, this is uh, one time that, that they can. And, of course, if – they buy a large vehicle, uh, like a great big SUV or a big truck. You, you know, truthfully, you can take the entire deduction um, at once. Uh, that's huge. Yeah, <laughs> definitely <laughs> you, is. You know, so that uh, th- that helps on your taxes a whole lot. If you uh, if you're basically buying your vehicle with what would otherwise go to the government, that's not a bad way to go. But it also um, applies to th- – this applies to folks who you might not think, all right? And here, here's – because it applies to folks uh, with long-term care issues. Um, in other words, I, I mean, I get asked all the time, you know, how do we protect uh, our – uh, our resources, how to, and we know about the Medicaid five-year look back, and mm-hmm. uh, what do we need to do? Well, uh, one of the sad truths is the fact that your retirement account, you know, your IRA, your 401k, is a countable asset. And so if you're single and you have a large IRA, or a significant one anyway, um, to you, uh, oftentimes that IRA stands in your way of being able to get the government benefits that you could otherwise qualify for. Mm. And so for a single person, oftentimes their only option is to liquidate the IRA in one year so that they can then convert the money to a non-countable resource uh, or spend it uh and be qualified for the government assistance. You know, one of the, again, one of the sad things about uh, our medical system in this country, and truthfully, uh, for uh, when you're looking at our medical system uh, across the board, we're, we have a pretty lousy medical system. Uh, we have the best doctors, we have the best hospitals, uh, but we have one of the worst systems. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're... If you're wealthy and can afford anything, you're going to get the best health care in the world. But for middle class and others who uh, don't have the right kind of insurance or don't have any insurance uh, or just have uh, Medicare because they're 65, 
um, health, you know, health uh, maintenance is extraordinarily expensive in this country, and it's it's really sad. You know, our system is based on acute care. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get sick, you can you can get care, and your health insurance will cover it. But our system ignores one of the biggest health care costs for folks, particularly seniors, particularly for our older Americans. Uh, our health care system ignores chronic care or long-term care. Right. And in other words, there's no coverage. And so that means you either have to have, you know, when you were younger, were wise enough to purchase long-term care insurance, which a few people do, uh, but most people don't because it seems expensive or whatever. And and the bottom line is you're out of luck, right? Uh, if you have a long-term care, and the and of course, as I've said many times before, uh, there's a huge risk because more than half of us will have a catastrophic long-term care event during our lifetime, and that's that's really sad. So, uh, my point is this. Uh, if you're looking at trying to get a loved one, yourself, your, your spouse, or your parents or grandparents, qualified um, over a long time, you might want to take a bigger chunk out of their IRA, not all of it necessarily, but look at uh, where they are financially mm-hmm. and how much can you more can you take without significantly increasing their tax. Because when you take your IRA, you're going to have ordinary income tax on that distribution no matter what you do. Right. So that's an important uh, consideration because if you can take it in, say, three or four years rather than all at once, that can – uh, uh, your tax rate can be significantly less if you have enough time to do that. So it's one consideration for seniors uh, to think about in terms of their overall planning. Now, obviously, this doesn't apply to those folks who have good long-term care insurance or those who have uh, plenty of liquidity and can afford to pay for their own long-term care. You know, In other words, folks who are very, very well off. But it does apply to the rest of us uh, that we have to look at that. And truthfully, IRAs and 401ks tend to be, for a lot of folks, the largest asset that they have. Uh, it's either the largest or the second largest. Uh, sometimes the house is the largest and the IRA is second. But uh, there are a lot of folks where the, the retirement accounts are actually the largest asset. So you have to look at that as a very, very important uh, asset to manage. And there's another one uh, where you may want to take more than your required minimum distribution. Now, clearly I'm talking about people who are retired, uh, you know, they're not working, and they're over 70 and a half and have a required minimum distribution. Well, it also applies to folks who haven't reached that if they are retired. Um, but the bottom line is if you're married and um, your tax rates, in other words, you pay less tax with more money mm-hmm. because um, there are two people instead of one. Single tax rates are much, much higher. So if your spouse is sick and it's not likely that your spouse is going to be around in a year or two, 
you may want to take more than your required minimum distribution because for, this will surprise you. But for a lot of folks who have lost their spouse, they end up, even though their income remains the same or a little bit less, they end up paying far more income tax because they they had a married tax rate before and now they have a single tax rate. Right. And so, like, for instance, the difference is for at the 15% tax rate where a lot of seniors find themselves – as a married person, you can have ordinary income of $75,000 and still be at the 15% tax rate. But if you're single, you're down to $37,000. So in other words, if you're single and you have $40,000, that last 3000 is going to be taxed at not the 15% rate, but the 25% rate. Right. So you know, obviously it makes a huge difference. And if so if you're married – and your income is actually $40,000, well, guess what? You've, you've got uh, the difference between 75000 and 40000 to uh, add more of your IRA distribution mm-hmm. and not have to pay a higher tax rate. Well, that gives you a lot of advantage if you understand that the tax rates are significant um, – uh, thing for you to consider. Now, because everybody knows that Congress is looking at the tax bill, uh, and it's highly likely that the president will uh, have a tax um, a bill to sign into law next week, um, I do want to talk a little bit about that uh, as it relates to winners, losers, uh, things that you might do, things that you might be cautious about. Uh, next year for 2018. But don't forget that this is your last opportunity to either push or pull your taxes. In other words, push income to the next year or push it into this year, push deductions into next year, or or pull the deductions back into this year. This is your last opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Don't put it off any longer. And if you need someone, you need some advice, head on over to WGALaw.com. That's a a great place to start where you can get some advice. Talk to Bill. He's the man. He'll help you out. Do that. Uh, We'll we'll continue in just a bit, and we will dive into the uh, proposed tax plan here, and we'll see uh, which direction the winds are blowing. And, again, the winners and the losers, Bill will sort of hash into that. We'll do that in just a bit. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. Good morning to you. We are uh, celebrating here this uh, Christmas Eve Eve. Hope you are uh, if you're out in the rush right now, we hope you're staying safe and getting your Christmas shopping done to the last minute. Uh, I, Bill, I think I may need to go get a few things after we wrap up here this morning. But uh, let's get into into some important stuff here. We've got this proposed tax plan. Uh, it's being worked out. The, uh, uh, the House and the Senate are sort of combining their plans and seeing what's going to shake out. So uh, what, what do you know so far, Bill? Um, wh- well, there were... Cl- clearly be winners and losers, mm-hmm. and there will clearly be short-term winners. Uh, in, in other words, there's a big difference in this 
tax bill related to short-term versus a longer-term. And by longer-term, I'm really talking eight to ten years, which isn't that long, but, I mean, that's the long-term that I'm really mentioning. And so um, uh, one of the things that a lot of folks don't um, think too much about or it's something that we tend to ignore is – um, the long-term effect of our our deficit, uh, the debt, the national debt, and the deficit are two different things. But it's um, the bottom line is is it it come the debt uh, we have to pay it back, and we do pay it back. It's it's not that we put it off. Uh, actually, when it comes down to the budget. You know, now, not that Congress is very good at passing a budget. They keep passing these short-term resolutions. Um, but the bottom line is is that um, the debt is we borrow money based on government bonds and we pay it back, okay? And we pay it back with interest. Uh, and the bottom line is that uh, the um, right now, the, this might surprise you, but – um, the debt or the repayment of our debt is the second largest budget item in the national budget. What's the first one? Uh, I would say Medicare, maybe. No, no, no. I mean, that's a pittance compared to <laughs> all right to the national debt. Defense ah, is number one. Okay, and a close second is the debt okay. or. The deficit, you know, or the repayment of our debt. Well, guess what? And and obviously, uh, well, put it on yours. Uh, you have a mortgage, don't you? Yes. Well, that's a debt, right? That is. Well, d- does it hurt every month to have to pay that mortgage payment? I, I shake every time I write that check. <laughs> My hand, I, I need well, to steady it. Well, does, does it affect your standard of living? In oh. other words, having to pay that debt every month. Absolutely. Does it give you less money to spend on other things? It does. Well, what happens in your family happens to the country as well. I mean, there's just no getting around it mm-hmm. when you have to – if we didn't have a debt to pay – just think of how much you could reduce taxes and also pay for all of the social welfare programs you've ever thought of. If we didn't have the debt, uh, all of that could be paid with lower taxes than what they're even talking about right now because it's one of the, the – paying the debt is one of the biggest things. Now, with Congress – and you know I'm a real cynic when it comes to our elected, uh, no. quote, leadership. <laughs> but uh, – <laughs> You say that with such love. Uh, Well, the thing about it, I mean, it's just like Bob Corker of Tennessee, who was a holdout. And why was he a holdout? He was a – he is, or I think he is, a conservative business Republican, okay? And why was he against this tax bill? Because it was going to increase our national debt by at least a trillion dollars over the next 10 years. Now, guess what? The compromise tax bill has had us at on as far as the debt and the deficit is concerned. How much? I have no idea. A trillion and a half. Oy. Okay. So now 
with the compromises and all the things that they're talking about, they're really talking about the debt increasing by uh, $1.5 trillion. Okay, now, Corker was against the the thing when it was a trillion dollars, but now he's saying he will vote for it anyway. Now, this is the same fellow that also had a conflict of interest, and he was saying that he was not going to vote for it because he would financially benefit from uh, well guess what all these all these people up there are going to benefit financially because guess what this tax bill does it helps rich people <laughs> and the truth is our congress is made up of what rich people that's right <laughs> so now i'm not against being rich don't misunderstand that it's there and, you know, it's it's nice to be able to make your money and keep it. That's uh, no question about it. But not necessarily on the backs of everybody else. And here's the good and bad. The the short-term benefit, the, this tax bill for the next year or two uh, will actually benefit a lot of folks. And it'll make taxes easier because the biggest thing about it is – that it increases the it doubles the standard deduction, which basically means that a huge percentage of Americans will no longer need to itemize their taxes. In other words, they'll just take the standard deduction, which will be beneficial in a lot of ways. Number one, it will at least temporarily lower their taxes. And it will mean that they may not have to even uh, go to a tax advisor or to a, uh, an accountant to have their taxes done. It'll make it easier for a lot of folks. Right. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. Here's the bad news. <laughs> <laughs> the good stuff in the bill goes away in eight years. I mean, it, they're temporary. You know, the, the all of the deductions that they have compromised on – uh, go away for individuals, and the individual tax benefits go away in eight years. The only thing that's permanent in this tax bill is what it does to lower tax rates for the richest Americans and for companies and corporations. And so, there's, um, you know, that's there, there's good and bad in it. But uh, from my perspective, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If if they're going to make permanent on the one side, make it permanent on all sides. You know, now the bad news, if we did that, then the deficit would probably be $3 trillion instead of uh, in terms of addition to the debt that's already there. Right. Uh, and that's their problem is the fact that, the, um, I mean, that's one of the biggest problems. So let's talk about some of the other things. I don't, do, we need, do we have to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break here and we'll continue our conversation here on the tax plan and we'll get into a little bit more of the details of the winners and losers with Bill. And we'll do that here in just a bit. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. We're back with more asset protection today on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong and Bill Alexander here wishing you a, a Merry Christmas. Hope you're uh, getting some shopping done or out with the family, and uh, it's always a, a great time of year. But, Bill, this is uh, also the time of year where folks need to be making some uh, some planning and adjustments for tax taxes, mm-hmm. tax purposes as we, as we wind down the year here. And we've mm-hmm. got this new proposed tax plan that's uh, still being hashed out a little bit, but we're going to dive into more of who the winners and losers are. 
Well, uh, now, this is just forward thinking as far as uh, one, um, you have to look and see for next year if you will be one of the uh, millions of people who will not need to itemize their deductions next year, okay? Uh, Because one of the itemized deductions is the charitable deductions. Now, in eight years, that piece will go away in terms of uh, some of the itemizations that they actually threw back into the compromise. But so if you're going to to use the standard deduction next year, how do you get any benefit from a charitable contribution? For instance, you're tithing to the church or making significant contributions to charities, and, and you're good-hearted and you continue. You want to continue to do that, even though you're not doing it for tax playing any anymore. Right. Okay, um, and, and so how do you do it? Well, if you're a senior and you have a large um, retirement account, the way to get, particularly if you have a required minimum distribution, make your contribution through your retirement account, directly from your retirement account to the church or charity. Why? Well, your contribution will basically substitute for your required minimum distribution, so you won't get that extra tax. And that actually, uh, the fact that you're not being taxed on your contribution out of your retirement account um, saves more for anybody that pays taxes than a, a taking the money, paying the income tax, and, and then donating it to charity. So for those who are not going to itemize, it's a no-brainer to make your um, charitable contribution from your retirement account, uh, particularly to the degree that it substitutes completely for your required minimum distribution because that saves you in a couple different ways and probably reduces your tax liability to zero under those circumstances. So. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, there are a couple thing, other things. Like, for instance, in the past, uh, folks have been able to uh, basically t- take money out of their IRA and contribute it to a Roth. And then later in the year, if uh, they found that they made a mistake and they shouldn't have taken so much uh, out of their IRA – uh, for one reason or another, and there are a lot of different reasons that could happen. It has mostly to do with the gains or losses in the account. Um, you've always been able to recharacterize it or put it back into your traditional IRA and not be taxed on it. That's going away. Uh, in other words, as of January 1, uh, your ability to recharacterize um, uh, that it, it will be lost, and so you won't be able to do that again. Um, so that's um, uh, now not that many people actually use that little loophole, if you will, but mm-hmm. it's it's going to be important. There will be a lot of folks who think, "Oh, I need to change to a my uh, small business to a C corp from an S corp," uh, and um, 
you know, an S-corp is a pass-through type of entity, just like an LLC is uh, ordinarily. And an LLC can be taxed as an S-corp or a C-corp as well. A lot of folks don't realize that. Um, but under this new proposal, the corporations are the ones who are getting the biggest tax breaks uh, from 35% down to 21%. So there will be folks out there thinking, should I recharacterize my business from an S-corp to a C-corp? Well, that's real easy to do, but you really need to take your time and uh, consult with a CPA and look at the pros and cons before you even think about doing that. This is not a knee-jerk or a no-brainer type of discussion uh, because, of course, any corporation has the double taxation issues uh, because your corporation gets taxed as an entity. It doesn't flow through, and then any distributions of dividends is taxed again on your personal income tax return. And when you take the two taxes together, you may end up paying more tax than if you just flowed it through to your uh, income tax like a partnership or most LLCs or S-corps. Those are flow-throughs or pass-throughs. Um, so uh, now, one one thing that folks really need to understand is that if you're going to sell a business, that in almost every case, it's 10 times better to be an S-corp than a C-corp in terms of the tax results to you. And going, it's easy to go from an S to a C, but it's really difficult and long-term to go from a C back to an S. It normally takes at least five years, and you have to have a CPA help you do it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, that's something that people really need to, to think long and hard about before they recharacterize uh, any business entity because of how this tax code plays out. And, of course, the other thing that folks need to realize is that not to plan long-term based on this tax code because it's going to change. You know, one Congress can never tie the hands of the next Congress. The only – truthfully, the only way that they're tying hands – and, I mean, you can't see the handcuffs at all – is the debt that they leave behind because the folks who are our representatives of the future have to figure out how to pay that debt. And so when we go down the road eight to 10 years and we have $1.5 trillion more debt, guess what? That's got to be paid. So do you think there's going to be less pressure or greater pressure on Congress at that point to raise taxes? Oh, there will certainly be more pressure, but you just pass that off to the. the well, the that's what they keep, keep doing, passing it off road, to Bill. the next generation until finally all, the entire budget's going to be debt, and and that's the scary part, yeah. you, you know. And and so uh, clearly, uh, now there are a lot of other things that we can talk about in terms of uh, some of uh, of the provisions. In other words, there were a, a lot of discussion and. Um, the folks who were trying to keep the debt from increasing were basically saying, take away all the exemptions, take away all of the deductions that people have, which would have been god-awful, quite frankly. <laughs> if, uh, but you have, this, uh, you, you, ha- you have this fight between 
uh, having deductions that are really important to folks, like the medical deduction, that's that was the key most important thing to my seniors mm-hmm. to make sure they maintain the ability to deduct these high medical expenses. Because you get zero deduction unless you're over 10% of your adjusted gross income. Now, they, they actually gave us a little uh, blessing. They pushed it back. Uh, to where it used to be, uh, 7.5% of your adjusted gross income, any medical expense over that mm-hmm. is deductible for two years. Then it pops back to 10%, and then in eight years it goes away altogether unless you know they, they're going to have to revisit it. So the medical deduction is there. Um, the uh, Congress has really put the screws to the higher tax states, uh, such as New York and California. Um, Think about those places where the cost of living is really, really high Mm -hmm. because they have capped the deduction for local and state um, taxes to $10,000. Now, a lot of us don't have to pay that much. And in North Carolina, we have less. We we basically have two kinds of local and state property tax. We have our ad valorem property tax, in other words, what we pay the county, and then we have our state income tax. Some states don't even have an income tax, uh, so they have higher local taxes than we do, um, and they have much higher property taxes than we do. But it's capped at $10,000, so it's uh, where there won't be a huge negative impact in North Carolina, except for some folks, it will be a huge uh, impact in in the big states, which just happen to be uh, blue states or Democratic states. So this is the way for Congress to to basically uh, put the knife uh, in. But here's the thing that folks have to realize: even in those states, think of North Carolina. You know, yes, we have a Republican legislature, but are there a bunch of Democrats here? Obviously, there are. Well, in California, are there a bunch of Republicans? Absolutely. So even though they're obviously sticking their knife in the back of the, the those Democratic voting states, they're also sticking the knife in the back of all those nice Republicans that live in California and New York, too. So it's, you know, this is where our representatives need to be thinking about how do we represent everybody mm-hmm. and not just the folks that uh, send us contributions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's what, uh, you know, uh, this tax bill represents the worst of what uh, the, the – uh, in other words, this is where uh, the Republicans are doing exactly what the Democrats did and when the Democrats did their worst thing. and. And as as much good as Obamacare did, it had a lot of baggage with it. It had a lot of bad things about it. And guess what? Why did that happen? It's because the Democrats didn't talk to the Republicans. In other words, it was like, we're going to push this through no matter what you guys think. This is exactly what the Republicans are doing right now. They're, we're going to push this package through no matter what anybody else thinks. And so guess what? You tend to get bad legislation when you do that, it's going to have some very, very bad negative fallout. But the good news is, at least for the next few years, in this compromise, they have maintained a lot of things, you know, like the child tax credit and the mortgage deduction, as long as it doesn't, it's not over that uh, um, uh, cap. You know, if, if your mortgage is under a half million dollars, then you can still deduct your home uh, mortgage. 
um, that, you know, they, that, that goes away in eight years. Um, in fact, almost all of the deductions go away in eight years. And that's, uh, and it's all tied into helping uh, corporations and the richest Americans. And, uh, it, it, well, that's, well, you can basically uh, tell that while I like parts of this tax proposal, I dislike a lot of it, too. And I think most Americans look at it the same way. There's some good with it. There's some bad with it. It would just be nice if our legislators thought about all of us instead of just some of us. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very good point. We'll continue our conversation in just a bit. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find more about Bill at WGALaw.com. You can also find him tomorrow morning on the CW22 at 8 a.m. with his TV show Money Secrets. A good idea to get some more uh, tips for handling your money from Bill. And you can you can get him in TV form rather than radio form right here, which is <laughs> which is pretty neat. Well, Bill, we're, uh, we're continuing our conversation here on the, uh, the proposed tax plan and maybe some ideas for uh, people what they should do as we wind down the, uh, the year here, whether people need to make some moves now or wait till next year. Well, obviously, uh, the kind of moves that people can make is personal to each taxpayer out there. So this is the kind of thing that you either need to figure out on your own very quickly right. or um, it, you need to, to put in a quick call to your an accountant to see if they have any last-minute advice. Because most CPAs and accountants and, and tax attorneys are paying attention to this uh, tax proposal and trying to figure out, okay, how, how are we going to use this to our best advantage for our clients? So that makes a big difference. Now, one of the things I like about uh, the, the uh, tax proposal is that it does um, push the alternative minimum tax uh, back much higher than it is now because the alternative minimum tax was originally designed to catch people like Donald Trump to force them to pay taxes uh, when they had otherwise reduced their taxes to zero. Um, But unfortunately, uh, with a tax rate creep uh, over the last number of years, the alternative minimum tax has really uh, hit middle class, upper middle class uh, taxpayers really hard when it was never intended to hit that group of people. And so they've pushed the exemption back up to where it will affect far fewer taxpayers, uh, particularly the middle-class taxpayers. And that's that's a blessing. That's a good thing. And that's tax policy that should have been done a long time ago. Um, now, did they they eliminated the alternative minimum tax for corporations. So, <laughs> okay, that's permanent. But like I said, there's... Uh, everything that's good about this tax bill is not permanent, and everything that's bad about it, if you get right down to it, is permanent. So that's pretty sad, but that's sort of the way it goes. Um, they uh, did not eliminate uh, the ability to um, uh, have 529 plans, educational plans, and in fact, they expanded the use of them. So instead of just using 529 plans for college, you can now use them for elementary and high school as of in 2018. 
So that's a broadening of that, although they have eliminated some of the other types of college savings plans. Um, and so that, that uh, can uh, be helpful. They have eliminated um, you know, tax relief for, um, in other words, if you have educational debt that is, you know, if you have debt forgiven, that's a t- taxable event. Did you, did you know that? <laughs> I did. Okay. <laughs> well, in other words, if your education debt is forgiven because you're disabled, mm-hmm. uh, that's been a taxable event, and under this tax bill, it will no longer be a taxable event. Mm. Same thing is true when you die. Uh, that's been a taxable event if your educational loan uh, has been uh, forgiven because of your death. Well, that's now not a taxable event. Of course, you won't know it because you'll be dead, but okay. Uh, but I guess that uh, is something that's helpful uh, or potentially helpful uh, as it relates uh, to, to uh, that. Now, as far as a state tax goes, they are pushing the exemption, which is next year would be, uh, under current law, $5.6 million exemption for each of us, mm-hmm. which means very few of us have to even worry about a state tax anymore. But they're pushing the ex- individual exemption uh, from what w- it would be, 5.6, to $10 million, um, per person. So that means even less people uh, will have to worry about a state tax. Now, that goes away in eight years, so it'll come back to $5.6 million in eight years, and we still won't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but for those folks who do, this is a real blessing. And for the next eight years, it means for those folks who do have large estates that they have uh, opportunities – uh, as it relates to gift property into trusts or otherwise. Uh, in other words, while the exemption is high before the exemption goes back down. Now, of course, the other possibility, probability, uh, maybe, is the fact that if the character of Congress changes, then tax laws can change again. I mean, just, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, well, and you know, the one thing that we haven't talked about today, which is probably just as big as all of these taxes, and it's already done, is the abolition of net neutrality. This is another big political issue. Obviously, the Republicans are responsible for uh, getting rid of net neutrality through the FCC, and of course, the Democrats are opposed to that the democrats were basically the ones and i hate to bring up the politics of it but it is politics and it's all about money and who contributes and again i mean i'm a cynic when it comes to our congress at this point because it's all based on who gives you money and this is the policy that we get for it but uh you know our young people particularly and our business internet companies are really upset about the abolition of net neutrality. And I know you know more about it than I do because you're into that, uh, and I'm less into that, that's for sure. But it is an extraordinarily important issue that affects everybody in this country. For me, Internet should be regulated as a utility. I mean, just think. Why is it not? I mean, we regulated telephones. We regulated, uh, you know, power companies and water, and all of that's regulated. Uh, 
And guess what? Internet's not. You know, in other words, it's supposed to be market forces, and that's what this this net, uh, you know, ab- the abolition of net neutrality is doing is basically putting it out there, saying, "Okay, you big companies, you can do whatever you want to do. The market will rule." And that typically has screwed. I mean, you you're not even old enough to remember long distance phone calls, I guess. But the bottom line is is that when when these big companies uh, ruled the phone world, uh, long distance. I mean, having a telephone was really expensive if you had to make uh, long distance phone calls. Well, it was regulated as a utility. Yes, the internet's the same thing. Do you know of any household that can't get along without internet anymore? I mean, it's unless you're dirt poor, days. you have internet, and if you're dirt poor, you go you go to McDonald's or someplace <laughs> right. else that has exactly. internet. So it's. It's the kind of thing where the internet is the most important, you, you know, thing to Americans of all ages at this point in terms of it affects everything in our life. And to say, okay, let's let the market rule seems to me to be the wrong direction. But that's just me. I'm a libertarian. <laughs> well, this, this will go to so, the courts, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens from there. But yeah, yeah, the the issue of net neutrality, I don't think, is going away anytime soon. There's a a, a lot of passion on the uh, the other side. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. A mm-hmm. quick break and back. We'll wrap up the show. You're listening to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Asset Protection today with attorney Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're, we're just out of, just about out of time here. We were uh, we we're having some fun today, but uh, we want to wish everyone a, a very Merry Christmas and Absolutely. Happy and if you're traveling, be sure to be safe uh, and have a safe and wonderful and Merry Christmas. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. We'll hope you'll do it again next week. Every Saturday morning at 11. It's Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF.